0: So let me introduce you. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Glad you made it out. So I was in Chicago recently, and I I spent some time with a woman named Erica.
1: That's Cal Swenson. He writes about social issues for The Post.
0: And together we toured this fresh, completely new model home. You know, it had the fresh, new paint smell. It had stainless steel appliances. If you looked out the second-story window, you saw the Chicago skyline, like, right there.
1: This is three bedrooms, one and a half bath, and this is 1,600 square feet. So this is the larger in size of the two. And
0: as we're walking around this beautiful new piece of construction, I could see Erica kind of slowly imagining herself and her own life in this space. She said, you know, I could see my son reading in this nook by the door. I could see our dog laid out on a rug by this window.
1: I'm like picturing Christmas, because I'm a huge oh, Christmas person. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'm a huge Christmas person. Ooh, we're going to have to, the tree has to go in front of the window, so we have to figure that out. <laughs> I would probably, yeah, or I would probably put the tree like here.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you saw this chemistry of possibility taking place in her, where she, she really began to see herself in what she had thought a place that she could never be at one point which is being a homeowner owning her own home in this beautiful space. I don't know. How do you just, feel? Like uh...
1: It feels amazing already. Like, I'm not even going to lie, it's, it's crazy because I'm like claiming it. <laughs> <laughs> the model home that Kyle is describing is part of a housing development on the west side of Chicago in a neighborhood called North Lawndale. That is where Erica Weathers grew up, this neighborhood where owning a home was just out of the question.
0: She'd grown up a renter. Everyone she knew was a renter her whole life. And no one owned. No one had any sense of financial literacy. That wasn't even a thing growing up. And, but here, finally, she was thinking that like, she could also be a exactly homeowner.
1: Like, damn, I never even thought of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I never even thought of
0: it because I was never exposed to laying roots down anywhere, having home. Yeah. And then that's when um, I started just understanding how important laying roots down. Community is Mm the village. I didn't have this. I had a
1: community, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have a home. Yeah. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, October 13th. The home that Kyle and Erica toured in Chicago is a model home. It was constructed as part of an affordable housing program in North Lawndale. Instead of giving people money to help pay their rent, it's giving people money to help buy a house so they can build wealth for themselves and their families and get out of poverty. But making programs like this more widespread would require a fundamental shift in how the federal government approaches affordable housing. Here in Lawndale, the goal is to eventually build a 1,000 standalone affordable homes so that people who already live there can stop renting and start owning. The developers are local groups, and they've built two houses so far, the models that Erica saw. They have the money to build 50.
0: And for the developers and activists behind this project, that's the whole point. It's this idea of showing people in this neighborhood and people beyond that they could be homeowners, too.
1: That's a goal that has eluded a lot of people, especially Black people, especially in North Lawndale. And it's been a problem here for decades. So in
0: 1966, Dr. Martin Luther King turned his gaze towards the North and wanted to focus not on Jim Crow, but on things like poverty and housing inequality in the North. And so he moved his family, uh, his wife and his four children, into a house in North Lawndale, this neighborhood west of Chicago, about 15 minutes away from downtown. And the point was that this was a black neighborhood that had suffered from incredible inequality due to redlining, due to contract buying, and the neighborhood was known as Slumdale uh, among locals. And King moved there because he wanted to point the national spotlight at the insecurity, the inequality, the ineffectiveness of the housing situation for African Americans in the northern cities as much as he had done with Jim Crow down the south. So this neighborhood had seen just decades of poverty, of rising crime rates, of deinvestment. Famously, this was the location where the first Sears Tower was. Now, we all know, like, we think of the Sears Tower as the big building in downtown Chicago. Originally... Sears had this big tower, kind of a bell tower on its campus in North Lawndale, which is this huge, massive worldwide headquarters in the uh, early 20th century for the company. And that was really a hub of jobs. And then eventually that all bled away and people left, people moved, and it became a really burned out, empty neighborhood that just pocked with empty lots high crime rate. Its poverty rate is about double the rest of the city. It's really become a part of the city that has struggled to kind of pick itself up back again. There is, though, a small knot of residents who have tried to organize an effort to really rebuild the neighborhood. And the idea is not to rebuild the neighborhood through gentrification. You know, that's kind of the buzzword that everybody thinks, that outside investment comes in, cleans up a neighborhood, and then Wealthy people from elsewhere move in. The whole idea of what they're doing in North Lawndale is to remake the neighborhood for the people who are already living there.
1: So can you explain to me why is home ownership so important to the developers of this project? Like, why aren't they building the same high-density rentals that we've seen elsewhere?
0: Well, our national policy towards affordable housing has neglected home ownership. Because in 1986, we passed the low-income housing tax credit, which incentivized builders, communities, local governments to build affordable housing that was focused on rental, to build high-density, big rental projects to serve the working poor. And throughout the country, it became a really successful and really popular program, and people became really comfortable with it. Governments, builders, contractors... City, everybody became really comfortable with this. And we've done it for now decades. The problem is, is what the low income tax credit doesn't really help is for building affordable ownership opportunities, you know, affordable houses for people to buy. And so this represents really a kind of a game change away from that concept that we've been working on for decades. And as activists and kind of people who follow us will tell you, you know, we've 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 built high-density rental through the low-income tax credit program. Our cities are still struggling. Something's not working. Like, maybe we should try something else. And the idea of having people buy into their homes, generate equity, generate generational wealth, is what they say we should try next. And for a long time, we've thought of home ownership is this value in this country, right? It's part of like the American dream. You get the white picket fence, you get the house, you know, you get the lawn, you know, it's kind of this whole almost stereotypical idea about what it means to be successful in this country. But for working folks and for people who are struggling, you know, we've basically pushed them out of the idea that they can own something. And so, what we have is decades mostly of people of color who have not Owned and who don't know anyone who have owned and who this idea of home ownership uh, seems crazy and out of reach to them.
1: And I think it's important to point out that when when it comes to what home ownership. Offers. I mean, it's not just like the fence and the lawn and you get to paint the rooms whatever color you want to paint them. That it's also about equity and that instead of paying rent to someone else money that you will never see again in your life, that you're basically paying rent to yourself, owning more and more of a house that has a lot of value and that you either sell it at the end and get a lot of money or pass it down to your children. Or it also helps you get other loans for other things if you want to start a business or, you know, like that's all part of the power of being a homeowner.
0: Absolutely. Equity is the, is the great force multiplier for wealth, if you talk to an expert, for generational wealth. I mean, most people don't have like a huge stock package, a huge portfolio that they can pass down to their families. Most don't own huge 401ks that they can use up in their lives and then pass down to their families. Land, and particularly home ownership, is the vehicle for making family equity in this country.
1: So what does this project actually do?
0: So this project, before anyone even, you know, signs any type of agreement to buy a house, they uh, have a pretty significant homebuyer class set up where people for a couple weeks go through and they learn what they need to do. They learn what their budget needs to be. They learn what amount of money they have to have to save to actually be able to afford one of these homes. At the same time, they've also locked down some very significant subsidies through a whole kind of like network of grants and things like that. So on paper these houses both cost around $250,000. But there's a whole package of subsidies that are available for potential home buyers. For example, the through the state of Illinois each home buyer will get about a $30,000 home buyer subsidy, which will knock down the price. And also the developers are very committed to working with every single buyer to maximize other subsidies and grants for first-time home buyers. So their whole game is to try to kind of knock down that price more in the $200,000 to $210,000 range, which they feel is very... Uh, doable for a lot of the folks who have gone through these programs, who have taken these classes, and who are now hoping to buy.
1: So what is the status of this project that could help so many people in this neighborhood own homes? Like, is it actually happening?
0: So this project has been difficult to get off the ground. There's a famous project in Brooklyn called the Nehemiah Homes, which was built in the 1980s, which was really the game changer in terms of home ownership at good cost, but built at scale for working class Americans. And that project really took off. It's really like the gold standard for how to do this type of thing, but it hasn't been replicated in any cities since, in part because as a country, we're very comfortable with rental housing for affordable housing. We're not necessarily comfortable with home ownership. Because of that, there is not a lot of opportunity for homeownership projects like this to take off. But because the neighborhood here in North Lawndale, they wanted it, they organized it, they really kind of pulled the levers of power uh, in their favor. They got Lori Lightfoot, the uh, mayor of Chicago, right after she was elected, she came out to a community meeting with a thousand plus members of this neighborhood there saying they wanted this project. And she put her backing behind it. And since then, the project has moved forward. There's only two houses built now, but they've raised about $12.5 million for the construction of about 50 additional houses. After that, they're hoping to raise additional money for another 100 houses. And then they see this as a chain reaction just to keep building and keep building.
1: After the break, the argument against programs like this one. We'll be right back. I wonder if there's anyone who is arguing against these kinds of projects, especially when you think about, you know, yes, we've built a lot of uh, low-income housing that are rentals that that are widespread around the country, and yet the rental market is still really hard for a lot of people, and there isn't enough housing even for people who want to rent. And I wonder whether there are people who are arguing that this isn't the time to be shifting away from trying to build more rentals to try to get people to own houses.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, the great argument against this program is... 2008, you know, the, the the mortgage collapse. Tell me more about that. Well, the gap between African-American and white homeownership has stayed steady since 1960. It's basically about 0.6 away from what it was in 1960 today. The only time that shrank was right up in the lead up to the 2008 housing collapse, because what happened was that predatory loans were being issued to people who could not um, carry the loans. Basically, anybody who could uh, show up was given a housing loan, and we ended up with a foreclosure crisis. What's interesting about what happens in North Lonsdale, to kind of counter that, is that they have prepared the ground by having these workshops, basically homeowner workshops, bring people in saying like, hey, just like sit for this uh, three hour session where we're going to talk about home ownership and we'll tell you what you need to know, how you need to do it, you know, what your budget needs to be, what the lawyer will say to you, what the insurance company will say to you. So particularly with 2008 in mind, here in Chicago, they've really tried to create a demand before there was a market to meet that demand in terms of like they've geared up things for a population who want to buy homes now through these workshops, through this community outreach. And that's a key piece. It's a really essential piece that they feel is important because these aren't just going to be people who are getting sold mortgages. These are going to be people who know the stakes of home ownership and know what they need to do.
1: So if this kind of project has been such a big success in places like Brooklyn, what would need to happen for it to be put in place in other to the country?
0: So there are two key subsidies that backers behind this type of project say can really help on a federal level. And one is a no interest construction financing. And the other is no interest second mortgages for home buyers, which would range from about $30,000 to $70,000 per home. So backers behind this type of development, you know, had pushed that this would be included in the big infrastructure bill that now is, fiercely being debated in Congress. And, you know, those provisions or things that would help this type of development are have either been cut or, or will be stripped down by the time it seems that this bill comes to pass, although we don't really know what how it'll look in the end. I mean, it seems to be changing day by day, honestly. But the fact of the matter is that these backers think that a federal investment, whether somehow through this bill or through a separate bill, is necessary if you want to see this type of home ownership development happening Elsewhere in the country.
1: So, when is Erica actually going to get her house? When is she moving in?
0: Well, Erica hasn't purchased a house yet. She's she's still kind of considering her options. And also, they haven't sold these two yet because they are using them as kind of that light bulb moment for people. You know, they want to show more people in the community hey, like, This could be you too. They want more people to have that experience inside that family room and picture their Christmas or their Thanksgiving or their whatever, you know, just Saturday morning in that same space that Erica did. And it's really important for them to do that.
1: Kyle Swenson covers social issues for the Post. This week, the Chicago City Council is expected to vote to finalize the transfer of the land for the first 50 houses. This story was produced by Renny Fernanski and edited by Alexis Diao. Today's show was mixed by Sean Carter. And this kind of reporting is only possible because of our subscribers. Right now, you can try The Post for just a dollar a week, which gets you unlimited access to everything we publish. Learn more at WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.